At this time, we're getting ready to receive our tithes and offerings. So ushers, if you can please prepare for that. Uh, you know, this past Friday, I celebrated my 33rd birthday. And just a reminder, I'm getting older and older and older. Our kids, our youth ministry, I asked one of the kids, or one of the kids said, hey, happy birthday. And I was like, yeah, thanks. How old are you? How old do you think I am? 84. I was like, what? 84? But, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's so funny because, um, you know, growing up, I was always spoiled as a kid. Like, I'm an only child, so I fit that description of being the spoiled only child. And so every time it was my birthday, I always remember uh, my mom would always give me like something big for my birthday, an expensive gift or awesome gift. And it's funny because here's what I learned. As you get older, that totally changes, right? <clears throat> and it was so funny because I was up here. We were, start, we were getting ready for our junior high night. And at the end of the night, my wife looks at me and she says, did you have a good, like, did you have a good birthday? Because I know it wasn't, you know, no, it wasn't, like, spectacular and all this and that. But, like, did you have a great birthday? And I was like, yeah. Because as I reflect on it, I looked back at it and I was like, you know what's so amazing is this. Ever since I came to this church, I made some really great friends, people that I call family. And I, I, told, I told her, you know what's so amazing is that it would have never happened if this if this wasn't here, if there was no love of God that I could that I experienced here, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been here. The relationships that I built wouldn't happen, and the most important relationship that I made, which was it was it is uh, which is with Jesus, I would never would have made that either. And I looked back and I told her, you know what? It was an awesome, great birthday, because God, He's always awesome. And you see, that's the thing. When we give unto the Lord, he takes it and he multiplies it so that we can build a relationship with one another as we all together build a relationship with him. Now, you might be visiting us for the very first time, and if that's you, we ask that you don't feel obligated to give this morning. In fact, receive this service to help you in your walk with the Lord. Or maybe you're visiting us from another church, and we want to encourage you to continue to give wherever you regularly attend church service. But if New Hope Church is where you call home, would you know that as we continue to give unto him, he takes it and does greater things than you and I could ever imagine. He builds relationships, not only with himself, but with everyone included. That's what we call the church. Would you bow your heads as we pray for our tithes and offerings? Lord, we come before you this morning, Lord. And Lord, we just want to thank you so much for being the great God that you are. That Lord, you are a God of relationships. And Lord, as much as you desire a relationship with us, Lord, you also want us to be relationships with each other. And so, Lord, as we give you our tithes and offerings this morning, we do so knowing that you're going to take it and you're going to do great things. Lord, you're going to build relationships with people that are far from you. And as they come close to you, Lord, we'll get to build relationships with them as well. Lord, we thank you, Lord, and we look forward to what you're going to continue to do in the lives of all of your people. And Lord, we thank you for being the great God that you are. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And we pray for all these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ben. You know, when you said 33, some of us who are a little older, we're like, you still one kid. <laughs> 33 years old. Just play you basketball. Though. Let me see what's up. Okay, so we're going to be continuing our series and finalizing our series today. Uh, what do you mean? 
And in this series, we've been looking at different words and the biblical definition of what these words mean, because sometimes we'll use certain words, we'll say certain things, but we won't understand its full definition. And today, as you can see, if you're, you have your bulletin or if you have uh, the church app, that this one word sometimes causes us to think elsewhere. And when we take a look at this word, it'll, it'll not only uh, give us a picture of of what it's supposed to be, but we're also going to define it better. And it is the word missionaries. It's a plural word that we're using because we're all missionaries. Now, the moment we see that word or we hear the word missionaries, we think of someone who follows God and then goes to a far-off place and then preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ or reaches out to people. And that's a part of it. But being a missionary is more than just going to a far-off place and preaching the gospel to uh, different cultures or a different uh, place in the world, a missionary, by definition, is an authorized message bearer charged with a specific assignment. And in this case, it is the assignment of giving the gospel of Jesus Christ out to people who do not know him, as well as witnessing to people who may be believers but may be far from God. When God says to go out into the world and reach people for him, he has given us a mission. We call it the Great Commission because the central core of the believer or missions or the message of Jesus Christ is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the good news. That is the central core of who we are as believers. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ. Will we have biblical knowledge? Absolutely. Will we have hope that we can give away to people through Christ? Absolutely. But the the message is the good news that God gave us his son to die for our sins so that anyone who believes in him could have eternal life. That's good news. And in our world today, there, there are newspapers, ads, we have Uh, television, we have internet, we have social media, and all of these uh, media outlets come with possibly a lot of bad news. And so by the time it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, people are waiting for good news. They want to hear something good. The thing about being a missionary and doing missionary work is it sounds religious, but think about it. We were, we were probably trained at an early age to do missionary work. We just never knew it. It was fundraising. Now, when I was growing up, fundraising wasn't like today where they give you tickets. They sell tickets and you got to pick up things. We had to go from door to door selling frozen Portuguese sausage. So we would get like 20 to 30, sometimes 50, depending on how much you had to raise, of Portuguese sausage. And our freezer was filled with Portuguese sausage. And that... We knew it was fundraising time. So we had to carry like maybe 10 or 20 because you couldn't carry too much because it'll defrost. Uh, or, and, and then you'd have to, you know, take a long time to come back. So we would have to go from door to door and say the same thing. We'd knock on the door and someone would answer the door and we'd say, you like my Portuguese sausage? And then say, how much? Is it $2? What is this for? It's for my football club. We're trying to raise money for equipment. And then they would, you know, they would give you their money, and, and you go from house to house. And the key thing here, this, this was so amazing. We went by ourselves. Our parents didn't drive us. You walked 
Or you were on your bike and you put the bag on the handlebars and you, you went from house to house and hopefully you don't see other kids with bags and you got to beat them. And so we, we, we had to think and strategize and, and continuously from door to door sell Portuguese sausage. That's kind of like a missionary. You, you have a mission, you have a cause, and it's, it's bigger than you. You're trying to do something for a goal so that you can do something else. In other words, you do this fundraising so that you can get equipment so that you can play football. A missionary has an assignment. They go out. They do something, but not just to go places or to preach the gospel. The end result is that people will come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So we would do things for an, a common result. In the book of Hosea, this prophet of the Old Testament tells us that my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. That's what the Bible tells us. The reason why it says that we're destroyed for the lack of knowledge is because you're going to need knowledge in a specific area in order to succeed. If you want to succeed in your marriage, you're going to need some wisdom about marriage. If you want to succeed in a sport, you're going to need some wisdom about that sport, some knowledge. If you're going to succeed in the kingdom of God, if you want to succeed with, with doing kingdom work and, and, and giving out the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're going to need some knowledge and some wisdom. And in this case, we're going to need to understand what it means to be a missionary. Well, if you look at any revival throughout history, with every revival, there was renewal, but with every renewal and revival, the result was mission. Whenever there was a revival, study all the revivals, even here in Hawaii, when, when the revival took place in here, uh, here in the 1800s with Titus Cohen, Hilo swelled to like 10,000 believers. But what came out of that was a lot of missionary work. Why? Because when you're, when you're saved, you begin being sent. Like you can't hold in the good news. You're going to tell people about the good news. You're going to tell your family members, your friends, people that you work with when you travel. And some people will have a heart for missions trips that they'll go to other places and then do missionary work. Some of you may have done that. And God calls us to do these things because the world needs to know about Jesus Christ. You see, when you and I are saved, we will either become world-class Christians or we're going to be worldly Christians. The difference is a worldly Christian is about us. It's about self. And, and us saying to God, I want to use you for my purpose. So I pray to God to bless me. I pray to God to help me. I pray to God to, to restore my relationships. I pray to God that make this work out, make this work out. So as a worldly Christian, still a Christian, everything is about me. A world-class Christian says, Lord, use me for your purposes. Now it's selfless. It's not, it's not where we think of ourselves as less than, but we just think of ourselves less. And so what we do is we say, God, how are you going to use me? God, use me. Give me, give me uh, opportunities to, to connect with people, whatever it would be, in who you're making me to be. In other words, God designed us with different personalities and different likes and interests to put you in a circle, in a group of people, of friends, a family, a, a workplace, so that you can impact them and influence them for the kingdom of God, that you're going to love them until they ask you why. And it's because God gave you an assignment to reach out to people that are far from God. In Matthew 
chapter 28, we know this as the Great Commission, that before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave his disciples an assignment. Jesus dies on the cross, rises from the grave, and then before he ascends into heaven, he's with his disciples. And then he says this to them. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And when Jesus says this, he ascends into heaven. It's like, okay, guys, here's the most important message that you're ever going to hear of. It's eternal life. It's the good news that I died for sins. Here you go, the most important message. Now I'm going to leave, and I'm going to leave that message with you. I remember this, this kind of like a, it's not really a joke, but I remember hearing this about the angels that they went to God, and they said, okay, God, so now you sent your son, died on the cross, paid for all the sins of the world. Now everyone has eternal life for free. All they need to do is believe in Jesus Christ. That's good. That's good news. Now, so what do we do with that message? And God says, oh, I gave it to the humans. They're going to pass that out and give that out to the world. And the angel said, wait, so you're giving the most important message to imperfect people, sinners? God, you have to have another plan. And God says, I have no other plan. It's you and I. God's only plan of preaching the gospel, of giving the world good news, is through us. You see the person next to you? As imperfect as they may be. Don't, you don't need to agree with that. As imperfect as we are, God has given us an assignment. See, every single one of us, every single one of us has an assignment, and we can live out that personal life mission by understanding three truths about being a missionary and this truth about life. And the first thing is this. If you want to write anything down, I have a mission. Every single one of us has a mission. God gave us a mission. He gave us an assignment. And if a missionary is an authorized message bearer charged with a specific assignment, then we're all, we all qualify as missionaries because God gave each and every one of us an assignment. See, the Great Commission, the Great Commission points up to making disciples. That's the, that's the dominant goal. And it's achieved through evangelism. We're spreading the gospel. Effective communication. That's what evangelism is. You're, you're communicating the gospel. You're letting people know about Jesus Christ. That's why we have Nick Vujicic coming uh, in November. And we're going to do a six-night uh, outreach for people who may not know Jesus Christ, but they'll hear this man's story. And we're going to do it in a creative way. We're going to start on Tuesday night, which is going to be live stream here because he's going to be on Oahu. And then we'll live stream it here. We will invite people to that Tuesday night. And the reason why we're inviting people to that Tuesday night is because when Nick speaks, he's going to encourage us and those we invited to invite people to the next night, which would be Wednesday night. So the people who came on Monday night, us who came on Monday night, and the people who we invited on Monday night will be encouraged to invite people to Tuesday night. So the people you invited will come Tuesday night and bring a person, and so will we. 
So Tuesday night, we'll do the same thing. We'll hear from Nick. He'll give us encouragement. And then all those who are new that night will come back on Thursday night. And then we'll also bring a new person and we'll bring a new person. And then on Friday, he's going to be here live. Same thing. Those who came Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday will come Friday night. And then we'll invite someone. And so will the others invite for Friday night. And then Saturday night is going to happen. And then we're going to do the very same thing. Sunday night will happen. We'll do the very same thing. That you can already see that God's going to do something that's going to exponentially grow because people need Christ. Now, you might be thinking, that is six nights in a row. Six nights in a row. When I thought about that, in fact, when we were praying through it, I thought six nights in a row is such a small price for a soul. It's a small price for someone's eternity. Can I sacrifice six nights for one person to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Jesus gave his life. I can give six nights. I might be dead tired at the end, and so will we. But for that one person, the Bible says all of heaven rejoices. Just for that one person. It, it is that critical. You see, in our world today, people think they need more money, better job, new car, more, a bigger house, more things, better politicians, better laws. And although these things may be a part of life, it will never satisfy us, even if we had everything accurate, if we don't have God. A person can have everything that they could ever want, but if they don't have God, you are still dissatisfied. There's something that God put in our hearts. It's eternity. That's why we strive for things if we don't know God and we don't have a relationship with him. God gave us a mission and an assignment, and we're going to reach people who are far from God. That's our assignment here. It's to reach people far from God one relationship at a time. We all have a mission. We're at a party, and Heidi said, uh, can, you give me a, can you give me a cup of water? I said, absolutely, I'll go get, because I was getting up to get my uh, water. So I asked, do you want something? She goes, yeah, give me a cup of water. So here in Hawaii, especially in Hilo, if there's a party, you know people. So on my way to, the, to get water, I was talking to people, talking to people. So it took about 10 minutes just to get water and then come back. So I got my water. And then as I'm walking back, I go to sit down and I think to myself, I forgot her water. So I'm about to sit down. She looks at me. She goes, you forgot my water. I said, no, no, no. I forgot mine. I'll be right back. So I, I went. I, so I got my water. It didn't matter that, that, yeah. So it didn't matter that I forgot. It didn't matter that I got, I got sidetracked or, or, or distracted. What mattered is I had an assignment, a simple one of getting water, and no matter what, it was going to happen. Like I had to get it done. In the kingdom of God, when you have a mission of this magnitude that God called you and I to do missionary work with the gospel of Jesus Christ, something that is eternal, we will make it happen. We'll find a way. God gave all of us a mission. Even though we think in our minds that I'm not qualified, I, my life isn't together, I have problems of my own, even with that, it doesn't change that you have a mission, that you have an assignment. God gave that to you as one of the most important messages that can ever be given. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says it like this. Therefore, 
we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, lay us, lay aside, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter or author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We all have a race. We're all running a race in this life. The question is, what is your race? What does that look like? Because we all have one. Maybe your race or your lane is your family, that God has called you to reach your family. Maybe your friends or the place that you work at. You know, there are many people that come up to me and say, you know, Pastor, I hate my job. Is it okay to quit? I said, you know, you can make whatever decision you want, but have you prayed about it? Because there is probably a reason why God has you there. He said, no, 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 no. You don't know the people I work with. They don't go to church. Every other word is a swear word. It's like darkness in there. I said, that's the best place to be. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. That's the worst place to be. The environment is corrupt. You're plenty of corrupt people, you know. And, and they just do things unethically. I said, yeah, but that's the best place for you. No, 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 that's the worst place for me. It like brings out the worst in me. I said, no, 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 I tell you why. Because you're needed in the darkest places. You're a believer, aren't you? Yes, I am. Then you're supposed to shine your light in the darkest places. Who else is qualified to be there? You are. You're the believer. You're the one who has the gospel of Jesus Christ in you. You're the one supposed to shine light, not darkness overtake you. Don't be afraid of the darkness. You have the light. Remember growing up, we were always afraid of the dark. Couldn't even brush our teeth. We couldn't go in the bathroom. We needed light. That's the world. The world is afraid and they don't even know it. But when you shine the light, oh, everything is changed. I have this pin to remind me. It says chosen. It's a light bulb with the world in it. I got this at our resource center. It's just a quick reminder that when I look at this, that God chose me to be a light into this world. That's what he did for you and I. He said, I put you in these places so that you can shine for me. Even in our very own families. If we have a kingdom mindset, it'll make sense why God put you where you are even in the family that you're in. We all have a mission. God gave us a mission. It could be your family. It could be work. It could be school, the classroom that you're in. It could be that you're a customer service. It could be that you're a musician. Last night, we had the Ho'olaulea in our town, thousands of people. And when I looked throughout the crowds and I saw musicians, many musicians were believers, I thought, that's your mission field, that those people that you're with who do not know God you get to shine as a light into that world. That's your mission field. Yeah, you might have to hold your breath because get all kind of vape and smoke and all kind of smoke. Everything all over the place and people <laughs> drinking. So, but that's your mission field. You stay clean, but you're going to be in a, a world that may be doing things that you may not agree with. But we're not here to judge the world. We're here to love the world. So when we go into the world and we're on mission... You're shining your light. You may be an athlete. Shine your light wherever you are as an athlete. God gave you that ability, not so that you can shine for yourself. It's so that you can shine for him. Because in the end, people need good news. They want to know 
what is more than just the life they're living. Everyone knows that there is something more out there. We have a mission, and God gave us one. The second thing to understand is that we have support. Every single one of us has support. God gave us his spirit to support us. There's a man by the name of Saul who was a religious leader in the Bible. They called him a Pharisee. Jesus called them Pharisees. They were teachers of the religious law, and they were the ones who would, they would tell everyone, this is how you're supposed to live, but they themselves weren't living according to the ways of God. So they became hypocritical. So they were pointing fingers at everyone else, but they never lived it themselves. But when Jesus showed up on the scene, he said, you guys are, you guys are full of dead men's bones. You're clean on the outside. You look good on the outside, but inside you're dead. Well, Saul was one who persecuted the church. This is after Jesus died and ascended into heaven. Saul is going around and he is, he is putting Christians in prison, even having some put to death. And then on the way to going from place to place, there's a place called Damascus. And as he's going there, he's on the road to Damascus, he meets Jesus face to face. Jesus gives him an assignment. Changes Saul's life forever. We know him as Paul the Apostle. Changes his life. Paul starts planting churches. He starts raising up young leaders to preach the gospel and to carry out the great commission. That's why we have church today. Because men like this and women continue to carry out the mission that God gave to them. Paul had three missionary journeys throughout his ministry career. He was born in Tarsus, which is modern-day Turkey, which is about an eight-day walk to Jerusalem where Paul would have his second missionary journey in, in Jerusalem and third missionary journey. But his final journey was to Rome. It wasn't, it wasn't a missionary journey as it were for him as he planned missionary journeys, but he was on trial because of his belief in Jesus. And now he's on trial for spreading the gospel, but he was still on mission. He didn't see it as a setback. He saw it as a launch forward. Then now he's going to go to Rome not on his own expense, but someone else is paying for him now. Yes, he's on a ship that is, you know, it's a prison ship, but it's a free trip to Rome. And now he gets to stand before these men to let them know what he was doing and why he was arrested. He was on trial, but he wasn't afraid of the trials because he knew his mission. He knew he had support. Not only did people support him and the church support him, but God gave him his spirit. So Paul was unafraid. He was bold and he was brave. And when life seems like a long journey, which Paul had this long journey, it may very well be your mission in disguise. That if we look at our life and we say, boy, this life is a journey. It's difficult, it's difficult, it's difficult. My life is difficult. Drugs are difficult. Addictions are difficult. Family is difficult going through a tough time right now, this is your journey, but you're still on mission. That God still has given you an assignment. Don't miss the mission. Paul's first missionary journey, his first missionary journey, was 1,581 miles. It took him 53 days, and it costed 237 denarii, which was the money at that time. He went from Turkey to Syria. His second missionary journey was 3,050 miles, which took 100 days and it cost 314 denarii. He went from Syria to Turkey to Greece and then to Jerusalem, Israel. 
His third missionary journey, 3,307 miles, took 92 days, and it costed 481 denarii. He went from Antioch to Turkey to Greece and then back to Jerusalem. In John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. You and I have the Holy Spirit, the guide unto all truth, which tells us that, that truth needs a guide. Something needs to guide the truth unless left to ourselves, we'll start, we'll start manipulating the truth. We'll start compromising the truth. And the Holy Spirit says, no, I came to guide you unto all truth because truth left to you starts to break down because you start adding in here and there. That's why we need the Word of God. That's why I always talk about that book, Divine Mentor, because that is probably the one book that I've read. Pastor Wayne Cordero wrote it. It's in our resource center. That helped me to understand the Bible better. If you have a hard time reading the Bible, read that book, Divine Mentor. Easy read, but it gives us a systematic way of hearing the Word of God. What Paul did and what, what the disciples did and all the believers is they understood that they had this support from God through the person of the Holy Spirit. As, as, as Paul continues to roam, it took 2,344 miles to get there, 36 days. And this trip cost 700 denarii, the most expensive of all the journeys. He went from Jerusalem to Turkey to Crete. But before he gets to Rome, he gets shipwrecked out at sea. He even warns the captain. He says, Captain, this is not going to end well. There's going to be a storm, and it's, it's just not going to go well. They're like, who are you? We're, gonna, we're just going to do what we're going to do. So they encounter a storm so bad that they have to throw out all their cargo to lighten the ship, and then they have to tie the ship with ropes. How reassuring is that? They tie the ship together with ropes so that it won't fall apart. Well, it begins to fall apart. They have to make it to shore, so they all jump overboard, grab some planks, and swim to shore. They're bodyboarding, I think, but they had to swim. And they got to shore. Paul was still on his journey. You would think that the captain would say, hey, man, thank you for, you know, all your wisdom and things. So you're free to go. He wasn't free to go. He was still a prisoner. No, he gets to Rome, and now he tells his story on why he's there. And Rome hears the gospel of Jesus Christ through a man by the name of Paul who was on trial. Even your bad situation, God can use for good. We're all on mission. God gave us support, the Holy Spirit. He's going to use our lives. He's going to speak in and through us. That's the power that God gave to us. You see, each missionary journey that Paul went on, even his journey to Rome, got more and more expensive. The cost got higher and higher, but it did not stop Paul one bit. He kept going because he knew that the greater the mission, the greater the cost. And if your heart is to reach your family and friends, it's going to cost a lot. If your heart is to reach people far from God, there is a cost. Oh, salvation is free, but everything else costs. But nothing compared to what Jesus did for you and I. There's no greater cost than what Jesus did. Went from a perfect place, came to an imperfect place to die for imperfect people so that we could be made perfect in the sight of God. Jesus gave his entire life for us. 
He, he spilled all of his blood so that we could have eternal life. We're cleansed. That's why the Bible says we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus. The life is in the blood. And now you and I have eternal life. We have eternity. We have this strong support system. And you're a lot braver and bold when you know you have support. When I was dating Heidi, this might have been in, I think this was high school. We would catch the bus. We were on Oahu. That was our transportation. So I was catching the bus to, uh, to meet up with Heidi, and she was in Kailo. I was catching the bus from Wamanalo. Well, there was a group of guys in the front, and I was in the back with my friend. And they're all talking story, and then we hear them talking about one of our friends. And they're not talking nice about him. They're saying some bad things, and they're using some words. And, and so we're, we're kind of getting mad. We're like, rah, if he was here, there's no way to be talking about him like that. So we're, we're just listening, listening. And then it was our turn to get off of the bus. As we're walking to the front, they see us and know that, you know, that's the friend that we hang around with. And then as we're leaving... They look at us and they go, what? Say that to us. So I'm walking off the bus and I turn around and, and that's when he, you know, he said, what? So I turn around and I'm going off of the bus and I said, why? Right, that's the, that's the exchange you got to have. That's text messaging at its best. So, and then I got off the bus and then I, I saw them, kind of, they all stood up. They're like looking at me like, and I was like, what, what, what? Because you know, the bus leaving, I'm like, they're not going to catch me. So... We are going to the bowling alley. This is in Kailua. And as we're walking through a parking lot, we see my, friend, uh, my friend's brother and his friend. And they're like, I don't know, five years older than us. So as we're walking toward the bowling alley, we see those guys. That, they got off the next stop. And they were looking for us. So they're all walking. One tall guy, one big guy, and I don't know, this other. You know, like, this, like the scrawny one. The little, the, the little fast one. The one who talk, 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 talk. Yeah, anyway, that one. So they're all coming towards us, and then we're like, hey, okay, let me just go into some pigeon, okay? Otherwise, it's not going to make sense. If you don't understand pigeon, I'll translate after. So they're coming towards us, and I was like, so you think they like scrap? He's like, bro, I hope not, because we can get lickings. <laughs> so I was like, maybe not, maybe not. So we were going closer, and then we're trying to avoid, and then they're moving, and like, Oh, guaranteed you like scrap. So we're getting closer. And then he said, what you said when you left? I said, what do you mean what I said? What you said? You told me what? He said, yeah, but you said why? <laughs> so I was like, this is so like, what and why? That's, that's fight already. So we left. We didn't want to fight them. We're like, there's no way. So we're leaving, and we have this bright idea. We said, you know what? Let's go call your brother. Let's call you. Yeah, let's go get your brother and, and, and his friend. So let's go. So we went to them. We said, hey, you guys like fight? He's like, yeah, what? Who? You know those guys that they're always on edge. They're ready to troll. They, like, fight everybody. They always no more shirt on, and they always get a cigarette in their ear. They're ready to go. I'm not stereotyping. I'm just saying that was my brother's friend or my brother's brother. And so they're like, yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's go. We'll get action. They were so happy to fight, never had cell phones, so they couldn't text their friends or take pictures like, you can scrap. They were ready to go at any time. So as we're going back, me and my friend, we're walking and we're walking. It's like, yeah, we'll find them. Hey, where are you guys there? So we're yelling through the parking lot. And as we're walking, we keep checking, okay, behind us. I make sure you guys behind us. And we're going forward. And I thought, we were so bold. We're so brave. 
But we weren't like that earlier. Something changed. What changed was not us. We were still the same scrawny people who had no fighting skills at all. But what changed was my friend's brother had. My friend's brother, if anything, could beat them down. And then I thought, if they beat them down, then I can come in you know, every once in a while, kind of give them a slap and like, like, hey, hold them, hold them. And then, I, you know, I could do that. I wasn't a believer at that time. I wasn't a Christian, okay? <laughs> now I would pray for them, lay hands on them differently. But, not, but at that specific time, I felt like, why are we so, like, why, why are we so brave? What if they find us later and we're not with your brother, guys? You see, some, something happens when you know you have a strong support system. You become braver. When God calls us to go into the world, he's not telling us to go by ourselves. He's saying, I will be with you. That's the support system we have. The strength is not in us. It is in him. And he strengthens us so that on mission, we can reach people for him. Why? Because we have eternity. And you can write that in your last point. We have a mission. He gives us support, but he also has given us eternity. Now, if you're a believer, you have eternity. If you're a non-believer, you still have eternity. As believers, we have eternal life. As a non-believer, you don't have eternal life. It's eternal destruction, separation from God for all of eternity. You see, we live in a temporary world with temporary bodies, with temporary thoughts. Unless we transform our thoughts and the processes that we have, we will not be able to think eternal thoughts. In other words, we fight for life here on this earth because God put eternity in the heart of man. So we think we're supposed to last forever here on this earth. We got half of that correct. We, we're supposed to live forever in our spirit, but not here on this earth. This earth is temporary. This earth is falling apart, as we can see with all the devastation. But because this earth is falling apart, and because we're temporary, God says we don't have much time. We need to reach out to as many people as possible because there are people that are eternally separated from me right now, and we, we have an important assignment. So you have my support. You have eternity. Now you reach out to people so they too can have eternal life. You see, we have this, we have this thought that we're supposed to last forever. Nothing wrong with, with being healthy and, and I just want zero body fat. I want to last forever. I want to be wrinkle-free so we, you know, we make sure our face is good. Nothing wrong with that. But it shouldn't end there. It shouldn't end with just I want to be healthy and I want to look good and I want to be good and I want to do good things. It doesn't end there. It should have a result of I'm on mission to find people who are far from God. Someone did that for you and I, and we were brought near to him. We're all on mission. Some people, they tell me, they say, wow, you're so busy. I said, nope, I'm on mission. There are times where we have to watch our schedule. But when we're on mission, we have a focus. And we can reach out to people who are far from God, and it's done one relationship at a time. Our mission is to reach out to family, friends, but it has an eternal purpose. Our, our community, when we reach out to our community, there's an eternal purpose. It's a great mission with a great cost. It costs time, energy, resources. It costs sleep. It costs hunger. I'm hungry right now. So are you, but we're learning from the word of God. It costs finances sometimes. 
weariness, pain, misery, but nothing compared to what Jesus did for us. In the book of Ecclesiastes, he says he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Only God can fathom that. We can't fathom that. But we know we have a mission, we have an assignment, and we have his support. There was a man by the name of Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee. He was a teacher of the, of the religious law. And he came to Jesus trying to understand Jesus' mission. And he's, he's, he's thinking about, okay, why are you here? What did you come to do? And Jesus is speaking with him. And so Jesus tells Nicodemus, unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, if you're not a believer, you're not going to understand what I'm doing. You're not going to even be able to see what I'm doing because that's the kingdom of God. So Jesus explains that only flesh gives birth to flesh, but only the spirit gives birth to the spirit. And anyone who believes in the one who came from heaven will be born again and have eternal life. And then Jesus Jesus gives hope to the rest of the world in John 3, 16. And this whole chapter is, is coming to this scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. See, what Jesus was showing Nicodemus was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's what John 3.16 is all about. John 3.16 is not about God loving the world and giving up his son. It's a part of it. But John 3.16 is about Jesus revealing himself to Nicodemus. He's letting Nicodemus know who he is. It's the revelation of the truth that God is all about relationship who is on mission to find lost people. That is his mission, and he wants us to be a part of his mission. That is why it's called the Great Commission. We're partners with God. It's his mission and his story, or as we say, history. God wants us to be a part of history. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it tells us, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses, where? In Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, it's your close proximity, your family, your community, your friends, your workplace. And then into Judea, the, 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 the country or the, the extended areas that you're at. Could be your city, your community. Samaria, which is another culture cross-culture, that we, we break racial divides, that we can reach out to other people, and then to the ends of the earth, everywhere else, every other country. It's like God gave us a way to systematically see how we can be a missionary. Because we're all missionaries, we can all be used by God wherever he places us. Now, some people will do uh, trips, mission trips, and God might put that on your heart. So we're putting some things together. And if that's you, then, then please let us know that if God stirs your heart. Paul was that person. Paul was assigned to go from place to place and build up churches. We're here as this church to reach out to Hilo and then to extend further than that. That's why everything we do in everything we do, everything we do is attached to a soul. 
from the chairs that we purchase for us to sit on to the air condition that we purchase to the fellowship hall where we have breakfast, our children's ministry, the sound system that we have, the microphones that we use, the lighting system, everything that we do is attached to a soul. It's our attempts to reach people far from God. That was Paul's assignment. God gave us the same assignment. God wants to take the whole church, that's you and I, with the whole gospel to the whole world so that people can find him. That's why we have our SALT conference. That's why we have a practicum. That's why we have our marvelous night on October 31st. Next week, we're starting a brand new series called The Mobile Church. And that's what it's, this is leading to that. And The Mobile Church is about us reaching different people groups. So we're going to do a four-week segment where we're going to have uh, Hawaiian interpretation. We're going to have Filipino interpretation. We're going to have Spanish interpretation. And then we're also going to have someone coming from Colorado who was from India. And he's going to share uh, how to reach different people groups. So the next four weeks are all about us becoming mobile, that we're going to come to church, gain from the Lord an assignment, and then we're going to go out into the world and reach people, and then it's going to lead up to Nick Vujicic. So everything we're doing is with the purpose of reaching people who are far from God. And with that assignment, let's not come to the end of the six weeks or five weeks or so and miss the assignment that God gave to us. God is going to put people on your heart, and he probably has already done that. Pray for them that when you invite them, that they would not be hindered by anything, but that they would say, okay, I'll come check it out, and that they would come. And just be a light into the community that God has you in. He put you there for a purpose. Today is actually our Mission Sunday. And with our Mission Sunday, we're going to watch this video that lets us know what Foursquare, which is our denomination, is doing around the world. Foursquare Missions International is a ministry in Foursquare that goes around the world and helps people. In fact, the Philippines just experienced a a typhoon and Indonesia just experienced an earthquake and tsunami. So what Foursquare Missions does is bring disaster relief as well as help in time of need. And it's amazing that although these things happen in our world, people are so open to the gospel in those moments. God uses darkness to bring light. And people find Jesus Christ that way because we bring hope. Then we're going to receive a special offering. And and if God speaks to you, then you can give. If he doesn't, don't worry about it because we never want you to feel pressured to give because the Bible says don't give under pressure. So we don't want you to feel pressured. Uh, John Mazariegos is in this video too, just a short clip. John Mazariegos is one of our missionaries in Mexico. He always tells me, he's like, hey, Sheldon, man, you need to come to Mexico. You need to come. And I said, when God calls me, I'll go. But for now, we support him, and, and he's on the streets preaching to people, letting people know about Jesus. And they do it in such creative ways through dance and song, and people are finding the Lord. God may have put something on your heart or some place on your heart. Maybe he's given you a gift or a talent to be used for him we all have a mission we all have an assignment we have his support because we have eternity and eternity is at stake let's take a watch each morning in every corner of our world nearly one out of every two people wake up and face life's challenges It's trials, 
and hardships, perhaps never knowing the love, the grace, the power of Jesus Christ. As the Foursquare Church, it is our conviction, our assignment in this world to bring light into darkness, to every day journey into the world's difficult places, to reach those that are often hardest to reach. We do bold things, difficult things, some may even say crazy things, in an effort to reunite creation with their creator. In this work of connecting people to the heart of God, it requires all types of workers. Maybe you're a woman who has a heart to see others around the world be truly empowered, to help a new generation of leaders and see nations change. Maybe you're a recent graduate looking to explore new worlds, connect with individuals from a culture far different than yours, and work to bring the love of Christ into a nation for the very first time. Or an experienced married couple coming into a new season of life, looking to mentor and care for those on the field, sharing important years with those who desperately need to see the light. A pastor who is given years of ministry serving short-term trips, but who hears that subtle whisper of God calling them to truly invest in the work they've so long supported. Or maybe you have unique talents and have struggled to understand how your music, sports, or film abilities could truly make a difference. And the Holy Spirit is nudging you to cross into another culture. Some of us will pray. Some of us will give financially. But some of us? Some of us will hear the call of God, the same one that called us to Him in the beginning and we will risk it all. We will give our all to ensure tonight one less woman, man, or child drifts off to sleep without knowing the life-changing power of truly knowing Jesus. Some of you have friends who, uh, who speak Hawaiian and they may not attend church. Well, invite them because next week that's what we're going to start off with. And we're going to, I'm going to speak, I'm going to share, and then we're going to have an interpreter uh, speak in Hawaiian. And then the following week we're bringing in Jatindra Singh. He's the one from Colorado and has a testimony of when he was growing up in India and was there. But he's also going to talk to us about different people groups. And then we're going to have Spanish. So if you have Spanish-speaking friends, then you invite them also. And then I'm going to speak, interpret, speak, interpret. So we're going to have a, a good time with it. But also, uh, when you hear your native language, it does something to you. And then the final week, we're going to have Filipinos. So if you know any Filipinos and get plenty here on this island, and they speak Filipino, 
then you would need to invite them and just let them know that this is what it's going to be like. So for the next four weeks, this is what we're going to be doing together. We're just thinking of creative ways on how we can reach different people groups because we have a mixed plate here in Hilo. And this mixed plate is good. And God wants to use us and our gifts to reach out to people. We're going to pray over the special offering. So would you bow your heads with me as we conclude? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity in which we get to give to you. And as we give to you, would you receive these gifts, our finances, so that as the gospel is proclaimed throughout the world, people who are far from you would be drawn nearer to you and possibly call upon you as Lord and Savior. We pray for the Philippines right now, Lord. They're going through their, their recovery and they're, they're, they're trying to get better. They're their homes and businesses for many have been torn down and roofs damaged. We pray that you restore them, bring in support and relief, resources. We pray for Indonesia that as they're recovering and as they have lost loved ones and they're mourning and going through pain and suffering, we ask that you would bring them comfort, strength and peace and then support resources, the necessary means to bring in whatever needs to take place and whoever needs to be there and whatever resources are needed to rebuild their infrastructure and to, to rebuild villages and communities. We pray that you'd bring hope, Lord, more than just tangible things, but that you'd bring an eternal hope. We pray for our city. We pray for the people that surround us, the, the areas that you have put us in, the places that you have us that we would never forget we're on mission. You've called us all to be missionaries. And so help us to do so with an eternal mindset. You've given us support, Lord. We can be bold and brave because of you. It's all about your kingdom, Lord. Help us to keep that mindset. We pray a blessing over the gifts that are given. Use it to multiply your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name, and we all said together, amen. Amen. Thank you for giving. Go ahead, ushers.